A couple years back, I was walking in a park in Los Angeles, and right there on the dirt pathway, I saw an envelope. It was soiled, had footprints all over it. Joggers, people walking their dogs, had just been cruising right by it. I picked it up and saw that it was still sealed. The front of the envelope was covered in these colorful, childish stickers. There was a reindeer, two adorable dogs, a flying unicorn. And then in big letters, written in blue ink, there was a name. Lottie. I debated whether I should open it, but obviously... I had to. Inside, there was a note wishing Lottie a happy 17th birthday. The card was signed by someone named Frukes. And inside that note, there was money. $100. Just a crisp $100 bill chilling inside this letter in a busy park in Los Angeles. I'm not going to lie. My first thought when I saw the cash was pure excitement. I immediately went over to my husband, who was sitting on a nearby bench. I told him, maybe we could go to a fancy dinner tonight, or maybe we could splurge at Costco. But then, after just a minute of daydreaming, it hit me. Maybe I shouldn't keep this money at all. Had it just been some cash that I'd stumbled across without a sentimental note, then maybe I could keep it. But even then, is that the right thing to do? I wondered, what do you do when you find money on the ground? I'm Rima Hreis, and today on the program, we're sharing a story from our friends over at Snap Judgment about six people who faced a similar predicament with much higher stakes. When I first heard their episode, it reminded me of this time that I found a birthday card on the ground with a $100 bill in it. And so before we get to Snap Judgment, I want to tell you what happened to Lottie's lost birthday card. So I quickly realized the only way I could keep the money guilt-free is if I did everything I could to find its rightful owner first. Plus, I was just curious. Who's Lottie? Who's Frukes? It felt like this would be a challenge, so I recruited the help of one of our old show producers, Phoebe Untermann. She was very down when I told her about my genius idea. Okay, so we're going to build a poster. Yeah. I feel like we should have some hashtag on there, and also, does... This is uncomfortable. Already have a hotline. We were going to hang posters in search of Lottie throughout the park. Sure, it was an old school idea, but we figured if she was there for her birthday, then there's a good chance she'd be back. We made posters on bright colored paper with a straightforward question. Are you Lottie or Frukes? We found your $100 and want to return it. We also put a hotline number for people to leave a message. And then Phoebe and I headed to the park. First poster... Yeah. With tape. Looks great. Looks good to me. We stapled posters onto some wooden poles, on benches. Should we do one on the other yeah, side? Yeah, let's do on the other side. And some water fountains. It's a terrible taping job. <laughs> and now suddenly there were two delusional optimists taping neon posters onto public property. And this was only the first tactic. Because this was very serious, we reached out to a former private investigator who reminded us that we had another clue. She turned 17 that year, so the PI recommended we check out the county's birth records for someone named Lottie, or Charlotte. We did that, but didn't have any luck. We also looked for Lottie in a public database at the library. Also a dead end. I started to feel silly. I wondered why I was doing all of this. 
I think as someone who chronically forgets and loses things, I find it minorly tragic when you stumble across something that's lost. You often have to rely on pure luck or the generosity of a stranger for there to ever be a reunion. In this case, I felt like I was dedicating too many resources, too much time, to return a $100 bill. Then one day, Phoebe called me with an update. So, it's been a couple weeks. There's been lots going on. Really? We got some fun voicemails. Wait, how many calls are we talking about? Uh, we probably, we've gotten like maybe a dozen now. What? Yeah, lots of different things. Oh. Here, this one I really love. Hi, my name is Lottie, but I'm not sure if I am the Lottie that you're looking for. Wait, but it's not actually our Lottie, I don't think. She sounds a little bit No, it's not. Older. I feel like yeah. she's older. Lottie all of a sudden does seem very British. My name is Lottie. <laughs> Lottie. <laughs> uh, we also got this one that I loved. Hey, my name's not Lottie, but I don't think anybody really lost $100 at the park. Because why the fuck would you make papers for it? Anyways, I got to go feed my grandma. I'll call you later. I'm going to talk to you. Give you a piece of my mind, all right? Huh? How you doing? This can't be a real person. <laughs> Who is this character? Okay, then the, I got this voicemail yesterday. Okay. Oh, my God. My name is Lottie, <gasps> and my best friend's name is Francesca, but we call her Fruit. What? So that is my $100. <laughs> I cannot believe how much effort Wait, you put are you kidding into, me? like, the posters no. and the line and everything. So Wait, I'm getting goosebumps. However, I can get that back. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good day. What? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we actually found. <laughs> I feel like my face is red right now. I'm like so flushed. <laughs> I'm so overwhelmed. I weirdly like have. I have like vaguely have tears in my. <laughs> I know. I feel like crying. This may or may not have been the biggest accomplishment of my life. The next day, I ended up calling Lottie and explaining everything about how I was also documenting this for the podcast. And her excitement somehow topped mine. Shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> no, you didn't. Oh my God, this is so exciting. I'm literally, I'm like a senior in high school. Like I, this is like, like incredible excitement for me. We talked for a while. Lottie told me that her best friend, Frooks, wrote her that letter. They've been tight ever since middle school. Now that we were in touch, of course, the next step was to hand deliver the note. We decided to meet up at the park at the exact spot where I'd found the letter. We're here. Hi. Hi. This is probably weird for you because you like know us like yeah. weirdly. Yeah. So Lottie showed up with her best friend, Frooks. She kind of looked how I imagined, like an effortlessly cool L.A. teenager with long dyed blonde hair, an oversized black shirt and bright pink shoes. They told me that they were here at the park for Lottie's birthday with a small group of friends. I pointed to where exactly I'd found the letter. That's actually so weird because we always, like, stay on this corner. And yeah. We have, like, TMI, but we have, like, a pea bush over there. So yeah. we were thinking possibly it <laughs> yeah. could have landed in, in the, the pea, pea bush. bush. Yeah. Wait, a pea bush? Yeah. yeah. So <sighs> we, you know, there's no bathroom here. So we've got to, we stay here for a while. Where all those trees are, you can kind of walk there's in shrubbery. the back. We make missions over there, for sure. <laughs> 
They apparently were there for hours that day, celebrating Lottie's birthday, hence the need for a pea bush. Lottie noticed that she'd forgotten the card when she was home later that night. She felt really bad about it, especially when she learned that there was also money inside that Frukes had saved up from babysitting. I pulled out the envelope, which had been in my possession at that point for about six months. There was still dirt all over it. I then handed it to Lottie. Oh my gosh. Wait, it was it's really been through it. Yeah. Oh my, oh my God. gosh. Can I open it now? Yeah. I wanna read it. Oh my gosh, oh did my you body. never get to read it? No. Wait, seriously? Oh my god. Happy birthday, sweet Luda mine. You are genuinely so MF caring, and I'm so grateful to have you in my life. You are always someone I can go to talk about my shit when it which is such a special trait of yours. You're one of the funniest people I know. Like effortlessly fucking hilarious. And I'm not just saying that. I hope you know you were loved and white out. Awesome. You truly are. Make 17 your bitch. Love you forever. Oh my god, I'm gonna hang this up on my wall. I love it. Now it has history. No, seriously, like, and it has so much such meaning story to now. It yeah, now. this is like double the meaning. <laughs> well, now I have to ask: Are you making seventeen year bitch? No, to be honest, <laughs> I like because <laughs> like okay, yes, but like it's just like um, I feel like quarantine sort of like changed. Like I mean, duh. But like before, I've always sort of thinking about life before. I need to move on because like I've always wanted to be seventeen. Like seventeen. When I was a kid, I was like, oh, 17's like the age. Like, yeah. oh my God, that's like being a teenager. And like, I thought it was so cool. Um, but I'm liking being 17 for sure. So what do you think you're gonna do with the $100? I don't know. I think I might spend it. I have to redo my roots desperately, as you can probably see. <laughs> I think I might spend it on my hair stuff because I that's really need to one. redo my hair. I might buy some clothes, even though I really need to stop with that. Um, <laughs> I'm probably gonna spend it really fast. Lottie was happy to get the cash, but she wasn't so interested in talking about that. She seemed to care more about the card and this serendipitous event. The fact that she and her friend Frukes now had this weird shared story. So y'all graduate in May. Mm-hmm. How are y'all feeling about graduating? Terrified. Weird. I'm trying to go to the UK, New Oregon, right? Yeah. Yeah, or Washington. That's what we're thinking right now. Yeah. So it's kind of scary. It's like we're really yeah. gonna be far apart. Yeah. yeah. It's like hard to imagine making friends like with the same level of connection yeah i fear that no friends are going to like amount to what we have yeah. now but at the same time it's like new beginnings and i'm so excited to see like where you go and what you yeah. do like I mean, obviously we'll stay in touch and everything yeah no we're definitely going to stay i like you're an adult friend to me yeah we're like wine yeah. sipping yeah <laughs> yeah housewives yeah that's the vibe It's been almost two years now since I talked with them in the park. Today, Lottie goes to college in England, and Francesca goes to school in Oregon. They tell me they still talk all the time, that even with the distance, they consider each other best friends. I still find it pretty wild that I was able to return her gift. Also, what are the odds that I'd stumble across this money? I think when you find something valuable that's not yours, It can feel very strange. Like you're excited, but also confused. Like, what is the catch here? This story you're about to hear from Snap Judgment made me think, surely someone is gonna jump out and say, gotcha. Cause what happens is pretty unbelievable. I hope you all enjoy it. And in the meantime, we'll be back with a new episode of This Is Uncomfortable next week. All right, here's the host of Snap Judgment, Glenn Washington. Now, snaps. 
Today we bring you something a little bit different. Six people, each in a different time and place, but they all find themselves in the same predicament, asking the very same question. Super Snapper Shannon Kaysen leads us through a story that these good people never saw coming. Put it like this. If the sky start dropping money out, the whole world will go crazy. July 2019, Tuesday, Atlanta, Georgia, Interstate 285 westbound. The veteran. My name is Philip Dean. I'm 25 years old. Being down in Atlanta, I didn't really have an income. And it was kind of that gap between the GI Bill for college and kind of my active duty paycheck. So I decided to drive for Uber. So um, that day, got on the road, I was driving for four or five hours. I came over this hill, and then I saw about 40 or 45 cars pulled over on the side of the road and people out of their cars. Is there cops? Is there an ambulance? Is something on fire? What's going on? I need to pull over. I need to help. I got out, walked around, and kind of surveyed what was going on. And then I kind of looked at people taking steps around and picking up things off the ground. I'm like, they're picking up money. Didn't believe there was money on the ground until I saw a lot of money on the ground. It was a pile of money on the ground. It was a pile of leaves. I looked at a couple people and kind of was like, what just happened? August 2003, also a Tuesday. Interstate 80 eastbound in the middle of nowhere, Iowa. The lucky guy. I am that one. I've walked into gas stations and found $400 on the ground. I've been in casinos and found $500 and $1,000 chips. Yeah, I was driving down the highway and out of pretty much nowhere, it started raining cash. Kind of started like a snowstorm with one or two at a time. Next thing you know, it's just hitting you and like dumping on you. I can't see because the windshield of the car was covered. The freeway came to a complete and abrupt stop. There was no way to tell where it came from. We were miles from an exit, just farm fields on both sides. No buildings, no towns, nothing. Money blowing in the breeze and falling from the sky and getting stuck on people's tires and stuck under people's windshield wipers, stuck in the little crevices of their bodywork on their cars. Like, I've been sitting there observing this, trying to process, okay, how did this happen? December 2018, a Thursday, East Rutherford, New Jersey, Route 3, westbound, the bystander. I was commuting, so I'm, I am stopped high up in a New Jersey transit bus with you know, the cushion seats and the big windows. And suddenly everybody on the bus started to kind of look to the left-hand side of our bus and started yelling. Wow. Wow. I thought immediately, oh my, there's some terrible accident. There's a Brinks truck over there, like a... Then I looked over and I, what I saw was... The Brinks truck, the money fell out. A Brinks truck stopped. And a gentleman in a uniform, an African-American gentleman, who is both kind of crying and laughing at the same time. And there are cars whirring by. He's collecting things off the highway. Look at this. Look at homeboy right here. Stack of money in his hand. And 
uh, a lot of people were yelling things like, Oh, he's gonna lose his job. October 1999, another Thursday, a farm near Brownsville, Oregon, the lady with the horse pasture. I was grooming at the time. The horses alerted me to it because of the crash. I mean, they, they hear something, they see something, they smell something, and their whole posture changes. I came out here and the guard, I guess you'd call him, only one was outside. He had this big rifle slung over his back with a, a strap, you know, and he was very military. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And he didn't want me out here. And I had a bucket and I was trying to pick up broken glass. Well, this is a horse pasture and we don't want glass in our horse pasture. We don't want the horses eating it. We don't want the horses stepping on it. I was not trying to get any money. I didn't have any money in my bucket. There were no dollar bills. I don't think they were heavy enough to fly out. But the sacks of, <clears throat> of coins did fly out and they broke nickels and dimes and pennies, you know, and stuff like that. I was upset. You don't have a money truck crash in your field very often. May 1999, a Monday, I-95 southbound outside New York City. I never thought it would be a dream job, but it ended up being a dream job. Who would ever think that you go work in an armored car and carry millions of dollars around and have a gun? <laughs> the armored car guy. I'm the guy. My name is Troy Stokes. I was working for Armored Car Service, and I was driving money. Yeah, it was the Port Authority money. It was the Turnpike, the Parkway money. It was all A money. The traffic was flowing excellent that day. There was no accidents. Everybody was just moving. As we get on the Turnpike at 13A, we driving. A lady in a white Volvo came on the side of me, and I'm seeing in the, in the mirror, I seen a car with high beams, like keep hitting the high beams like a police and was blowing a horn at me and she literally cut me off so I got out the truck and I'm like what's your problem what are you doing and she said I was trying to tell you your back of your door opened up and the bag fell out and the car ran over the bag and money's everywhere January 1997 a Wednesday Miami Florida Interstate 395 the cop so I'm Delrish Moss, formerly with the Ferguson Police Department as police chief. And before that, I was a major with the city of Miami Police Department. I was in my office when we gotten word that a Brinks truck uh, had somehow turned over uh, and that money was spilling down off the expressway. This had happened right in the center of Overtown. Overtown for Miami is probably the most economically challenged neighborhood that there is. It's an impoverished neighborhood and suddenly Money is raining down from heaven. When I first got the call, I thought, now nah, this can't be happening. But it happens all the time. What would you do if you saw money spilling from an armored truck? All over the world. In Hong Kong, there's been a mad scramble for cash. Hundreds and hundreds of accidents. Take a look at this bag of cash. Top-heavy trucks. Frank's truck apparently lost some cash. Doors bursting open. It seems like a dream come true. Thousands of dollars in cash. Cash flying through the sky. 
In each of these events, in each of these places, each person has stepped into a whole new world of possibilities. In New Jersey, the bystander watches in shock. Others on the bus pull out their cell phones and start taking video. It was like I was in an aquarium and you know, you see like the polar bear come by or the big shark and it's all playing out in front of you and you can't touch it. I felt kind of the joy of the people who were stopped in their cars. Um, Many of them obviously working people who were going off to their jobs, who were like having, you know, early Christmas. It was a highway to money heaven, Route 3 West, right in front of MetLife Stadium. People were stopping short, pulling over, even jumping over dividers just to catch some green. Betsy Richards watched it from the window of her bus. And there were $100 bills, $5 bills. People seem to be very interested in, you know, whose money this was. Again, this is not free money. Whether people were taking the money or giving the money back. The money technically belongs to Brinks, police officers say, and it's illegal for drivers to keep it. In Miami, the cop heads to the scene. Money was actually spilling down off the expressway, down into the neighborhood, and people were actually out grabbing it up. This was the very same expressway that had had destroyed the community. We were severely outnumbered, and we saw people starting to run off in different directions with fistfuls and pocketsfuls running from the police because they were, they were afraid that they'd have to return the money or they were going to be arrested. It was kind of funny. I mean, you know, just to see people running from all over the place had a sort of comical ring to it. The cop hits the streets of Overtown looking for information about the missing money. As we were going around door to door asking people to give the money back to turn it in, we also knew that in those homes, People were struggling with the dilemma of, now I've got a way to make ends meet. Yeah, I I, uh, lived in Overtown as a kid. As a matter of fact, most of my high school years were in Overtown. I knew these people. And so when they're telling me something that's not true, I know they're telling me something that's not true. You see the looks on faces. You see that, that, that smirk. You see these things that are telltale signs that what they're about to tell you is not going to be the truth, and they know that you know it's not. Most of the residents we talked to said the money that fell from this bridge was good for the neighborhood. Half a million dollars, plus 300,000 in food stamps, vanishes in Overtown. If somebody did find money, do you actually think they're going to return it? That money is going to good use. In Atlanta... The vet surveys the scene. Should I stop? Should I not stop? You know, yeah, of course I'm going to stop. It looks fun. I mean, it's money on the side of the road. Why not? Picked up some ones. I think I picked up a five. I stuffed money into my pockets, and I, I didn't have any organization to it. I just kind of picked it up, threw it in my pocket, and just kept on going. My first instinct was that people were going to be fighting each other, and um, someone might pull a weapon, someone might you know, hit someone, start a fight, start a mob something of the sort. Me and this this other gentleman, I, I mean, we're almost going side by side, picking up the same, <laughs> our separate lines, and then there's one at the end. It's a five. And we kind of both paused and kind of looked at each other like, who's going to grab it first? And then uh, he's like, go, go ahead, go ahead. You, you can get that, you can get that. And I'm like, 
Oh, well, thank you. I remember one person kind of walked down the hill about 20 feet toward me. They shouted over and said, the higher bills are up there. That's where the big pile is. The higher bills are up there. Some people were on the phone saying, oh, you need to get out here. This is what's going on. This is amazing. I didn't know if anyone called the police. I figured someone had. I remember at one point a woman walking out to the third lane, almost to the fourth lane, to pick up money. This is just getting insane. This is a lot of people. This is still a highway. I I didn't really want to see someone get hit by a car. I didn't want to see a car wreck or get hit. I I don't want to be around this if it goes bad. That's why I decided to kind of get back in the car. You know, I'm just going to take what I have and leave. In total, $175,000 was spilled in Atlanta. Wow, that was a lot of money. 175000 After the vet takes off, police officers show up. They record on their body cams, and they clean up what's left of the cash on I-285, catching bills as they drift past on the breeze. I was walking, and $50 flew up. Flew up out of nowhere, I came to Really? Yeah, $50 bill. Back behind the wheel of his Toyota RAV4, the vet speeds away from the scene with the money. Probably about 30 seconds down the road, I called the parents. You will not believe what just happened. (laughs) And once I got back to my parents' apartment, I kind of sat in my car for a minute and found everything in my pockets and started counting it. went, wow. I folded it up in half and then uh, put it in my wallet separately, then the two or three dollars I had in my wallet initially, and I just kept it separate. Uh, I believe it was the next day, the Fulton County Police Department kind of put in their social media that, you know, it's it's not your money. It needs to be returned if you have it. I remember almost verbatim, it was anything under a thousand dollars is a misdemeanor. Anything over is a felony. I mean, I really just talked to my parents about it, kind of, why should I keep this? Why should I give this back sort of thing? And the Air Force has three core values. It's uh, integrity first, search for self, and excellence in all we do. And it really tested my integrity. I think it was five or six o'clock at night and I made the decision of I'm gonna take it back because that was not my money. My dad chose to come with me, so we, rode there and it was kind of just one of those you know what do you think they're gonna do what do you think they're gonna ask me i don't know if he's gonna you know take me in custody for a little bit as we fill out paperwork in that situation your mind kind of jumps a little bit (laughs) 
Navas. In just a moment, the vet finds out that he is not the only one with a guilty conscience. When the Money Truck episode continues, stay tuned. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the money truck episode. When last we left, the vet was on his way to the police station, ready to return the cash he picked up from Interstate 285. Snap Judgment. When the vet and his dad get to the police station, the police officer comes out of the evidence room and greets them. He's recording on his body cam. He's like, you returning money to you? Yes, sir, I am. He apparently had just got done with someone else and he wasn't upset. At one point he asked me, well, how much are you returning? I think it was 13 ones and a five. $18. He kind of just blinked at me for a second, like $18. All right, so Philip, here's the case number. Uh, that's saying that I collected $18 from you. If you flip it over, that's all of my information. The vet is one of nine people who turns in money from what becomes known in Atlanta as the Perimeter Payday. One person turns in $2,094. Another turns in $520. Another returns 24 bucks. $18 is the least that was turned in, so that was myself. My dad kind of joked about it. He's like, you know, all this money that fell on the ground, he picked up $18, and like that's all it was, was $18. I mean, if I found $40,000 in the ground might have been a different conversation. I kind of, you know, kicked myself in the back a little bit on that one and kind of thought about it more. I'm like, why did I not stay longer and why did I not keep it? That night for me, for Uber, was not as good. I think it was only like $20 with Uber Eats that night. And then I picked up $18, so I was doubled what I did. <laughs> on the way home, I think I passed the gas station and went, Man, it'd be nice to fill up my tank real quick with $18, but um, I, I decide not to. On I-95 outside New York, the armored car guy looks over at his partner. He's freaking out. He's like, Stokes, we're going to lose our job. We're done. We're done. So I had to smack him, get him back in control and focus. I said, listen, go up there, grab the money, okay? Calm down. I'll stay with the truck. We both can't leave the truck. If we leave the truck, somebody could take the whole truck. He said, there's people everywhere. I said, you have a firearm, put it in the air and fire. It works in New York like that. They disperse. Trust me, it will work. It was mayhem. It was like people running, literally almost getting hit by other cars just to grab some money. It was crazy. Track the trailer stopping, everybody stopping. I mean, and then after they picked up the money, they rolled by and saying thank you to me. Thank you, sir. Thank you, armor car guys. Thank you. No, everybody was thanking me that went by. Thank you. 
They was blowing a horn, thumbs up. People had banners out their cars. Thank you, God bless you. I just had to laugh about it. I mean, what else I'm gonna do? The money's insured. That's why it's called insurance. I just, how you say, I just enjoyed the moment. It was so crazy because Cuddy Chung called me out of nowhere. I don't know how she got my cell number. Don't ask me, I don't know how. And I picked up the phone, I said, hello? She said, hi, this is Cuddy Chung from Channel 7 News. I'm like, are you for real? Who am I speaking to? I said, you're speaking to an armored car guy, Stokes, why? She's like, are you the one with the money that fell out the back of the truck? I said, yeah, you're talking to him. And she was like, we'll be right there. Don't go nowhere. I said, are you serious? Before she said right there, somebody was setting up a, 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 a tripod up. They're ready to like start filming right then and there. And then my CEO guy, Rodriguez, calls us and said, get in the truck now and get out of there. Get out of there. In Oregon, the lady with the horse pasture is told by the guard standing next to the truck that crashed into her field that she isn't allowed to take any pictures. I'd never had a, a guard standing there with a rifle slung over his shoulder and acting like it was, you know, some sort of top secret thing. I kind of thought that was a little overblown, the top secret thing. So I went up to the corral and I took pictures. <laughs> you know, it's my property. It's my damn property and I'll do what I want. <laughs> That's what I thought, you know. <laughs> He's invading my property. I am not invading his property. And of course, uh, immediately there was people, spectators and newsmen and stuff like that. They called in a crew that stayed here until dark or dusk, gleaning the field and picking up all the money. And then when they left, they said, anything you find out here is yours. The next day, her friend comes by with the metal detector. They don't find much. I mean, minimal amount of money. It was pennies and nickels and dimes. You know, I mean, they got all the quarters, I think. In the middle of nowhere, Iowa, Cash keeps falling from the sky. The lucky guy sits in his car. I was more confused than anything else. When I first tried to open my door, somebody was running by and hit it and kind of closed it back on me. That's how many people were out running around. So it was kind of like a herd mentality panic. Everybody around us was picking up whatever they could and throwing it in their cars. I just ended up taking a couple handfuls that were on the windshield and throwing them into the car. The lucky guy gathers the bills and stuffs them into a flexible lunchbox cooler. He heads down the highway, the cash in his back seat. At best, maybe there was several thousand dollars. I don't know, but it wasn't enough to excite me. It wasn't enough to, to you know, oh, I'm set for life. We were going to continue to the next town and just turn it in. We were stopped before we got there. There's a police checkpoint. Two officers step out of a squad car. They asked if we'd driven through it, and we said yes. And they asked if we picked something up, and we said yes. And then they asked, can you guys follow us to fill out paperwork? And we said, okay. And it was getting to the police station that they informed us that we were being detained. Detained. The lucky guy is charged with theft. That much money on the side of the road, there's going to be somebody looking for it. Um, I was concerned I was going to miss my upcoming work. Uh, I was concerned that this was going to take a financial bite out of my ass. I was shocked. He's led through the police station, past cops sifting through piles of money. 
tables and tables full of cash spread out. They took whatever we had and they were all like, you know, $20 bills. I never got an official count, honestly. I do know that the person that was arrested after me, he had, I, I think, like uh, over 20 grand on him. After getting his mug shot, the lucky guy is shut inside a closet full of bookshelves and discarded furniture. That's how small of a town it was. You know, if I was like the A-team, I probably could have built something to get out of there. <laughs> I had really done nothing wrong other than picked up something I found on the ground in the middle of the highway. That night he makes bail and calls a lawyer, who gets his charges reduced to a misdemeanor. When I walked out of the booking facility, I got back in my car and continued down the road for at least 100 miles or so. I might have left the state that night. I was like, what the fuck was that about? Like, seriously, what the hell was that about? The armored car guy is taken to the state police barracks. It's one o'clock in the morning. I was there for about three hours. They interrogated me to find out what led up to the money falling out the back of the truck. Just write down everything, what happened, you know, throughout the whole day to lead up to this. And that was it. And then they let us go. Actually, I thought that all of this was going to be a big misunderstanding. It was a freak accident. And then I just go back to work like regular. That's the thing I'm thinking in my mind. The truck probably was bad or whatever like that. I would never know it fell out if the lady never pulled me over. I'd have got all the way back to Trenton and never knew nothing about it. If a door ajars, ajar me when it opens, uh, when it opens, the alarm goes off and it's a red light in the front of the driver's side. It's a big bright red light that just and and like that to let you know a door opened. That didn't work. No light, no alarm, no nothing. The armored car guy doesn't go back to work the next day or the day after that. They suspended me and the other guy for like a few days until they said they got to sort it out. So when a few days came, the manager called me. He said, Stokes, you got to come in, bring your badge, your firearm. They letting you go. I said, let me go for what? I didn't do nothing wrong. It could have happened to anybody. What happened was it was a state trooper in an unmarked car when the bag fell out the back of the truck. He saw the bag fell out the back of the truck and a car ran over the bag. And that's when he started writing everybody plate number down. Yeah, 80000 was in the bag and all recovered except for $46. So long story short, I lost my job for $46. So when I got there to return my stuff, my badge, I feel like a police officer that's just lost his job for no reason. My partner, I looked at him and I felt bad and I even tried to stick up for him. I said, listen, let him at least keep his job because I asked him to come with me. He was going home that day. He said, Stokes, it doesn't work like that. He was with you, you both is fine. At the armored car places, I was flagged. Everywhere they had an article with me, with my pitch on the wall, don't hire this guy. It messed my credit up. I couldn't get nothing. I lost my house in Trenton. I had a nice three-bedroom house, fenced-in yard, everything. I was depressed. I was there for five years. I wanted to retire with them. I wanted to get the gold watch with the armored truck in it. You know, a nice plaque of, of show my, you know, appreciation that I was there for 20 years. The armored car guy still remembers the most money he ever hauled. The most money was 100 million, and they had to burn it. 
you throw all the money in this like oven thing and it just burn up millions and millions and millions of dollars that's not circulating no more. You gotta remember, the United States makes the money. We make money every day. We print money every day. We burn money every day. When you're sitting at home trying to figure out how you're gonna pay a bill, you just have this fantasy that you're gonna win the lottery or that somehow the Brinks truck is gonna open and money is gonna fly through the air and you're gonna scoop some up. And it just fulfilled all of that longing. Having enough money is not just working hard, it's also luck. If I was on the other shoe and I was driving on the turnpike and, and I seen an armored car drop money out the back of the truck. If you find a wallet in the ground and it has $1,000 in it. If I'm out there in the middle of my hay field and I find a sack of money that actually fell from the sky from an airplane. Do you take the money or do you find the owner? Is that morally wrong if there's nobody around? Come on, stop it. This is reality. What's the right thing to do? Take care of my family or return this money? I might have a moral dilemma there. A few years later, the lady with the horse pasture witnesses a second armored truck crash in her field. It just shouldn't have happened. I mean, one was enough. I didn't need two. And I was really, really upset by this time. I mean, I was ranting and raving and pointing and gesturing and there's no damned excuse for this. And if anybody would just drive decently, it wouldn't happen. And I'm really tired of this happening. And big thank you to everyone who spoke to us for this story. Troy Stokes, Philip Dean, Betsy Richards, Delrish Moss, Carol Steele, and The Lucky Guy. Featuring Shannon Cason as a narrator, check out Shannon's podcast, Homemade Stories, to hear more from the Shannon. And big thanks to Tyler Eastep, who first reported Philip Dean's story for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And thanks as well to Cole Richards and Randy Scott Carroll for the recording assistance. The original score for this story was by Renzel Gorio. It's produced by Anna Sussman, John Facile, and Nancy Lopez. I know, I know, it happened again. But if you missed even a moment of today's show, subscribe to the Snap Judgment Podcast. Subscribe because someone's story might just change your life. For real, it's changed mine. Get into the Snap Nation conversation on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Do not miss a beat. And if you want to let the world know you snap, just hit the Snap Studio shop. Get yourself that T-shirt. You're probably sitting next to someone right now who loves the show. Celebrate! Snapjudgment.org Snap is brought to you by the team that knows exactly what they do if money fell from the sky. Everyone knows Except for the Uber producer, Mr. Mark Ristich. He'd probably spend all his on fruit cups. There's Pat McCity Miller, Anna Susman, Renzo Gorio, John Facile, Shayna Sheely, Marissa Dodge, Nika Singh, Tail Decott, Leon Morimoto, Flo Wiley, 
Nancy Lopez, and Regina Ariato. And this is not the news. No way is this the news. In fact, you could walk into the police station, tell them all about the bad thing you just did, and have them laugh at you and call you names. And you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is PRX. Hey, it's Rima again. I hope you enjoyed that story from Snap Judgment as much as I did. So we'll be back next week with a new episode of This Is Uncomfortable. The story you heard at the top about Wadi's lost birthday card, that was produced by Phoebe Untermann and me, Rima Reis. The episode got additional support from Hannah Harris-Green, Alice Wilder, Marquet Green, and Yvonne Marquez. Zoe Saunders is our senior producer. Our editor is Jasmine Romero. Marquet Green is our digital producer with help from Tony Wagner. Our new intern is H. Conley. Sound design and audio engineering by Drew Jostad. Bridget Bodner is Marketplace's director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right, we'll catch y'all next week.